Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Kitchen Podcast. This is Paul Romig Levitt. It's a conversation between my wife, Krista, and I, and we invite different people over to our kitchen because that's where the conversations happen. That's where the best connections take place. And I'm excited to share with you the second part of our conversation with Dale and Stacy Fredrickson. Again, Dale is a poet here in Denver. He is also the pastor of Lakewood United Methodist Church. And it's really in the second part of conversations, usually, that things really get heated up. And that is definitely the case for our conversation. We really spend all of our time really answering one question this time which is what are we trying to heal? What are we trying to heal in ourselves? Maybe what are we trying to heal in the world? And um, I will give just a a quick little heads up, uh, a little uh, warning here. Uh, There is some profanity (laughs) in this episode. It's a bit of uh, pastor after hours. So if you have young people in the room while you're listening to that, it might be a good time to you know, skip it for later, or um, if that bothers you, you can check in on another episode that we have later. But uh, I, I implore you, I invite you. I think it's such a fantastic conversation. We get into some very interesting territory, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. So let's check it out, Dale and Stacy. That it yeah. is is that a good seg- segue? You guys can say no <laughs> to the question that like so. What are you trying to heal? Uh-huh. What are you trying to fix? What are you trying to save in yourself or in the world by engaging in ministry, pastoral duties, and or I'm going to broaden that to include like just even participating in the American Christian Church. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I know that's, that's a, a loaded. That's a phenomenal question. It's so it's good. Paul. <laughs> really? I think every one of us, and that's not a bad thing. I think no, there's. No. I think it's. Yeah, a, no. It yeah. could have it's some honesty. It's very honest. Yeah. So. Brene would be real proud. Right. Super proud. <laughs> <laughs> I know Dale will go off on this because he probably has a lot more to say. So I'm just going to say something real quick that I think you guys had asked earlier too before we were on air that like did we get into ministry and our relationship? Like, was that part of our relationship in the beginning? And, and it totally was like, we fell in love because we both had these visions for ministry together. And, um, it hasn't really changed. Like we still have the, the I think the only thing that's changed is that, well, I, I wanted to run away from it at first. Like I wanted him to become a professor cause I didn't want to be a pastor's wife, <laughs> but, um, but it just has always been such a heavy calling on Dale that to be a pastor. And um, I have come to terms with being a pastor's wife. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say to that? Um, but the thing I think that it, now, looking back, it was probably a different reason why I was getting into ministry. But now I think why I've stuck with the church. And, and there's been there's days that I question why. We're still mm-hmm. doing church work, um, for sure. There's lots of days, <laughs> but um, I think why the we stick. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So it's it's but I think the reason I stay I that we stay together in it is because we do believe that ultimately, like in the community and in and in Jesus, obviously, and and what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived on this earth, and I think that we can. We feel like there's hope 
that um, there's hope for the church and um, mm. that we still feel that church doesn't have to suck. <laughs> we always say that. We always say, you know, we're trying to make a church that doesn't suck. <laughs> and I know that sounds like maybe like sacrilege to some or like to older people. Maybe they don't really like that. But right. And my mom hated that word when I was growing up. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it's true. It's like, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we're just, we're, we're sticking it out because we do ultimately believe that church can make a difference in people's lives. Mm. That was so good. Yeah, thank you, Stacey. Thank you. That was so There's good. more, but you go. No, I, I, think, um, I think for me it's like my story is critical to this because, yeah. you know, my dad dies of cancer when I'm 15, mm-hmm. and it had been like, it, it wasn't the best father-son relationship to begin with, like very like um, in and out of my life and not really committed, but like, I was my dad, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I had this picture of him of like kind of invincible, mm-hmm. and I I, na- I know now of like why would I ever think that? But um, you know, like f- so this invincibility, like he cancer literally takes his body, and I watched him be this like strong man to this like really quite emaciated um, at the end. And from that moment, I had never, I had never stepped foot in a church. I mean, I had been probably a couple times to like the Catholic church that my grandma would invite us to, but it was not a part of my language and my family history. And so the next door neighbor, a good friend was like, you've got to come to church with me. And so he takes me to this non-denominational church and I step in the door and it's like this place, uh, it, it was like a weird Typical evangelical, like they've done nothing to make it look religious, right? Like especially of that era, right? And I walk in and just from the the very second I'm in the door, like this is like love is in this place. And I had never heard before that God is love. And this is like a, a touchstone of, if I could say one thing to Christians, like stick with God is love. It's a very yes. good thing. Um, like, let's really explore. Let's really explore what this means um, as your baseline theology to talk about God. And so I, I go to this church and just phenomenal community. And I remember, I'm, I don't know how to put words to being a 15 year old boy. And I remember I'm like, I'm crying. I am the kid who's crying every week at the message. And this was like, I mean, three months long of every Sunday. And I'm like, I'm beelining out of there to go to the bathroom to cry. I'm beelining to get away. And every time there's like another person, uh, a man, a woman who's like embracing me, telling me like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And I, I didn't really understand that, but words it. they helped me grieve. They were helping me grieve. And they were showing me um, a, a motherly love of God and a fatherly love of God. And, um, and this was like, you know, my conversion story of like, wait, there's like a community in this world that tells you that you have value and meaning and that you can, you can be broken open and there can be hope for you in the midst of it. And I remember like thinking like, oh, this is probably what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And like, the only way I'd say that is the way answering it is like, what am I trying to heal? I'm trying to heal this family fissure in American culture. We just don't have a sense of what real family for good and for bad is. Empowering family, you know? Um, and I'm trying to heal this fatherlessness 
and I try so hard to get away. I, I'm schooled in gender and all its up and downs, and like I can't get away from the image of fatherlessness. And I think there's a, a deep motherlessness as well. Or, a, but um, for being a being a male, the fatherlessness of it is huge, you know. And this metaphor of of mother and father and that our ancient fathers put the Trinity within this model. It's very intimate. And, you know, um, more, uh, is we progressive Christianity would like to talk about creator, sustain and redeemer, right? Wonderful language, wonderful, but it gets away from the intimacy of that, um, father, son. That's also incarnational. That's also, it's got real flesh. And that's the thing is that Mm. the, the, the kind of, uh, uh, f- spirituality that I was raised in seemed to be like uh, almost yeah it was definitely it was a neoplatonism it's it was a uh, um, a way in which we were um, we were putting on a pedestal those things of spirit that and then d- um, degrading the things of flesh and that that what what I was trapped in was wrong and what God wanted to me basically ascend to was some experience that was away from my sinful flesh and into this spiritual realm of perfection where God exists. So sex is bad, but like, like, uh, praising the Lord is good. Right. Exactly. And what is the vision of heaven? What is, what is the vision of heaven that is without sex and it is without Um, without, it's sort of, that was what I was afraid of. I was afraid of heaven when I was growing up Mm -hmm. because I felt like now that I realize I'm unpacking that for years, I'm coming up on 40, you know, years I'm packing, I'm packing this. Why was I afraid? It was like, oh, this seemed to be a stripping of way of everything that made me human Mm -hmm. in replace of something that was faceless, bodiless, and, um, and was just an endless long church service. And what I, you know, that was what it was. And what I realize now is the closer I get to Jesus, the more he's bringing me to earth and not into heaven. He's taking me back to earth. And he's like, I created this place to be good. I want to redeem your vocation as human. I want you to participate with me in the reclaiming and healing and renewing of this world again. I mean, and that was where I was like, when I started to come to that gospel, that good news that was like, oh, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, these are all included. These are all important labels. These are all important callings. And they don't, they, and Jesus also, he kind of breaks these categories of blood, right? right. He says, no, no, no. It's not what makes you brother, sister, mother, father. It's not your blood connection. Yeah, now. Okay. It is now a union that you have with me that creates this union. And, that, and so what you're saying to me as this guy, I'm like, oh, preach it because that's the gospel I want to be more of I want to believe more in and go for and all that kind of stuff and so, hey, that, yeah. like what you just said just is so beautiful and so important to me and you add so many good layers and the the thing I would add is it's this fragmentation right we 
we've lived with a Christianity that's only about 150 years old and that's sort of at the at the right. peak of like modernity, the peak of like science and science can lead us beyond. Right. But it's a science that's sort of unchanneled from any sort of story and formation of all the past, right? Mm-hmm. And so what one thing that burns deeply in my heart is like to tell these stories of early Christianity and to mm-hmm. think about like what you were naming there is like uh, in the third and fourth century, there's texts that are talking, early Christian scriptures that are post-Christian scriptures. So like church fathers and mothers who were talking about the third generation, mm-hmm. the third genos, so the yeah. family of God, yeah. you know, and then and then that they would even formulate the Trinity in these forms of of mm-hmm. thinking of mother and father and daughters yeah. and son. And yeah. it's just, there's so many other stories of Gregory of Nazianzus and Romanos the Melodist yeah. that we have not told. Mm-hmm. We've told one, like one stream of like a, a beautiful tributary or like mm-hmm. a beautiful collage that could be far more better. It would be more compelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, Krista, I would like to hear your, your answer on About that it. question. Which one? What are you trying to heal? Oh, gosh. I knew. I, I was no. like, you I'm interested in. I want to hear your... I don't... I don't know. I need we'll to, just make I some shit up. Sca- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but that Chris is gonna drop some bombs. I'm I'm saying this close to the microphone with my glass of wine it's because I'm scared because I want more time to answer this question. So it's good. I don't know. I'm scared to answer this question. That's okay. I, feel, I can edit out the rest. I feel emotional okay. a little yeah, you bit. You can take a long. He can edit um, the pause. Right. I know. We can all yeah, pause. So yeah. I don't even think I answered it completely, like yeah. what I was trying to heal well, in myself. Well, let's come back. Yeah. No, I don't it's know. Totally Do you have I don't any know. thoughts? I don't think I'm trying to heal anything in myself. Mm. I think, I mean, I, we all are, I think, in some ways, yeah. but I don't know what it is. I know. Well, I, mean, I think yeah. I want to I wanna make a statement that, uh, that and I'm just going to, I don't care if it's true or not, um, <laughs> is, is I think we are all trying to heal something in ourselves yes. and in the world. Right. Yes. So well, if both were true, yes. what do you think it might but be? But do they all, but do they have to be the same thing? No. no. Or do they have to connect at all? No. no. Oh, okay. No. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. see, the healing yeah. in myself, I still need time to think about. Mm. <laughs> the healing in the world? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things that need to be healed in the world. Holy cow. But what's the one thing? I think I think I come back for me real quick, and yes, it'll let no, you no. think a little no, bit. No, yeah. Is like I come back to the storyline, the um, by uh, what's his name? Donald Miller, <laughs> the Donald Miller. <laughs> we went through the storyline workbook with Don, Donald Miller storyline workbook a few mm. years ago, and I think that just mm. it really helped me solidify why I'm here, like mm. what I am made to do on this earth. And I think, so for me, it's like, um, I came up with, uh, Dale helped me because <laughs> I was like, uh, you plot your whole story of your life, you know, your highs and your lows. And then you come to this like big story theme, like this big theme in your life. And I think a theme in my life is community. And, uh, I, uh, so mine is, I am here cause I'm a catalyst for healthy community. Mm. And that's, Yeah. So that's my, I think, healing. I think that fits probably what I want to heal in the world is just the sense of healthy community. Is there anything about that word community that resonates inside you as an individual? Hmm. Uh, 
and maybe not. And like you're you're like I I I get to um I get to put words to like what um drips what oozes mm. from the very being of your essence all the time. Mm-hmm. So Stacy cannot stand when things are not healthy. She's going to name it. She's going to tell you. She can't stand when things are not like in a direction that is like healthy and flourishing uh, in people's lives and families' lives. And so I just think that that's like mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful things that you need to name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's two like, ugh, and you knew I was. If someone's, someone's getting hurt, hurt if someone's being right. marginalized, if oh, someone yeah. is not, not getting space, space. Like, like if, yes. if, if um, Right. <laughs> not to not to say this ever happens, but if our son is over talking our daughter, um, which was the opposite today, which yeah. is a really yeah. wonderful experience. But it seemed that seemed very natural. Like he was just naturally quiet, she and she was naturally speaking. That. So our daughter today um, had that was beautiful. A, at, our, at our lunch together. Our daughter went off on describing a whole storyline of a movie, and she never does that. And never has she talked that long because our son is the one who is like going to describe it. That, and she did a wonderful job. That was really... Then I'm glad that moment happened. Oh, That's no. beauty. We've, we've never had that happen before. That's beauty. Never. That's we have to tell the son to pass all the time. Right. Like, you know, it's time to pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think that, no, I, I always. I knew I was I was gonna try to keep it out of here, but there was a question there that I thought of it too. But um, I think it's too part of my personality. On the Enneagram, I'm a two, right? Yeah. Don't and keep it we, out. Say it. Preach it, sister. I love the Enneagram. That's what I'm super passionate about right now. And so, <laughs> because I'm a two, I think the connection piece. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. I'm yeah. ultimately oh, yeah. want connection yeah. with everyone and mm-hmm. anything and I want people to be connected mm-hmm. and I I always thought of myself as a connector and then when I heard the Enneagram and I saw this two number that I wanted to run away from because it's like this typical stay-at-home mother Christian number and I didn't want to be that but the more I came back to it the more I'm like I am such a two mm-hmm. like that connection <laughs> piece is just so like I want people to connect. I love to connect people. I want Krista to know so-and-so because so-and-so and so-and-so. And oh my gosh, if all my friends could just be friends, it would be the best world in the world. In the whole world. It would be so great. I just want everyone to be connected. So, and it's funny because I, 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 it's good to know that about me. Like, it's good to know that. Like, it's good to know I'm not weird <laughs> because of that. I'm not alone. There's other people like this too. And that, um, yeah, I don't know. So that the storyline and the enneagram connected for me and made it really That's connected. Really <laughs> no pun intended. No, um, yeah, it came together in this like great way. So yeah, I think that true. connection and like the family, the fissures, the mm-hmm. that connected to um, that piece of it. Like what I'm trying to heal in the world is this disconnection, mm-hmm. yeah. right? This That's fragmentation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I want. I want love and peace <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Krista? <laughs> so wait, oh, just to go back, is that something you're trying to heal in yourself as well? Or is it different? Mm-hmm. Well, see, or is there a piece in which you feel like, I mean, yeah, disconnected? I would have to explore that more for sure. I would say yes. But yes. <laughs> Why would you say yes? Um, How do you, like a connection to God for sure for me. Uh, but I think your family um, too. Family. I think your family mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I think you're the consummate right. connector of them, uh, and I think you've had to work hard for a long time yeah. to connect them. 
Yeah. And have you succeeded? I feel no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel guilty a lot of times that uh, yeah. that my family's not like more like close and stuff, right. and like I feel mm-hmm. kind of sad over that sometimes. But yeah. then like I don't know. Yeah. Then I don't feel sad about it. <laughs> yeah. She may not have been great. successful, but she's won some major wars. On I mean, yeah. my mom and dad moved here two years ago. Right. That's great. Yes. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. Uh, and your yeah. text sure. strings of your brothers are amazing. Yeah. 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 That's good. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. You know, it's, it is funny that you, I, he, that he thinks that I have tried to connect my family when I think that I haven't done a good job at it. But is it something you, uh, as you thought about your family, was that the role that you um, sort of felt like it needed to be filled? Was the person who took, made, made sure everybody stayed connected, everybody came back home, everybody, yeah, everybody was there and, and that kind of stuff. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it didn't happen. But it, you felt responsible for it? Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's from what? Mansplaining. From mansplaining. What's mansplaining? Oh, is that what I'm trying That's to do? do? No, no, no. I'm oh. just saying. I'm answering your question as uh, as, as the as the it. partner mansplaining. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I've she's never been doing. Yeah, it's like when, was, when, when a man like gives the simple like, oh, like right. you know, yeah. there's right. white splaining, there's mansplaining. Right, you know? right. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I was just saying like what he just said. Like I think you've done. Yeah. Consistently in your life. Phenomenally. Right. Thank you. Right. Krista, your turn. <laughs> I don't really know. And I don't like not knowing. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. It's okay. So we're pretty sure I'm a two as well. Okay. And yeah. what are you in the Enneagram? I'm a seven. You're seven. So I think easy. I remember. He just smiles. So I'm easy. a seven. Seven and a table full of twos. I know. So pause the two as well. I'll take that table full of twos. <laughs> and I'll blow wind on there. It's like a couple drinks at that table of twos. <laughs> yeah, so both, both Paul and I test as twos. I've only taken the Enneagram once, but I came out as a two, and there's a lot of two in me, although when I read the one, I was like, oh, holy hell, I think I'm a one. But I could be a two, two with, with a, a one wing or a one with, with a two wing. Freaking two strong <laughs> yes. one wing. But I have a lot of I, three in yeah, me as three well. Two. I hear that. Can I give a little yes. caveat you here? Can. Okay, yes. just for those people, yes. a lot of people yes. may know what we're talking about, but a lot of people may not know what the Enneagram is. Enneagram is basically kind of this personality typing system that um, just some it people, it's, an, it's, it's ancient. Uh, yeah. It was really formalized in the 1950s. Um, and it, it, it sort of measures your shadow as a simple way of, of describing it. Um, so it takes into, all, into account all these different things. It's very interesting. It's not scientific. It's not definitive by any means. But sometimes we find uh, that when people are taking these uh, tests, they find some insight that rings true. And I think we have all around this table found some insights that we go, hmm, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but uh, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily. The good thing about the enneagram is it doesn't say this is your box right. and you cannot play outside of it. Right. And it's because there's a lot of like personality tests that really um, sort of aim to um, reduce somebody 
to a particular type in order so that we can have a categorized, that we can categorize them, we can categorize ourselves, and we can even like give ourselves, Experience let ourselves off the hook, mm. you know, out of responsibility. Yeah. In many so ways, not hire us yes. because right. of something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in many ways, the Enneagram that. actually it's actually forces responsibility. Don't right. you feel like it? Yes. It, it, right. it yes. makes you deal with certain things. Right. So yeah. all of that to be said, if you are yeah. interested in that, you can look. There's a fantastic yeah. book, mm-hmm. Stacy. You might want to yeah. let us the, know. The Road Back to You, I think, is a fantastic book. Yeah. But there's in other Chrome. a million other yeah. fantastic books out there. So that's all my caveat is. Well done. Well said. Good job, Tom. <laughs> yes. So, so, so yeah. What so, are you healing in yourself and in the world? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I I need to. Again, I don't like not knowing, and often, and often when I go to answer questions, I feel like there's one perfect answer. Do you say a theme? One perfect Krista, one perfect answer. Uh-huh. So I'm maybe giving away more than I realize I'm giving away. Ooh, I'm going to need a whole other bottle of wine tonight. It's a good thing Stacy brought it over. Score wine and gin tonight. Um, and I, I, I feel that tension in myself to, to like not answer until I find like the one perfect answer. And so I feel like I'm continuing to learn that it's that that's not true or and it can change and it's bigger and it's OK to like put stuff down or say things out loud, even though I don't know for sure. But I think I'm scared of labels. I'm scared of what my words will, will mean to other people and how then they'll right respond, react to me, perceive me. And again, that goes back to I don't want to be known for any sort of failure. So I want to make sure that what I give you to perceive is like like you can't make a mistake with it. Like I am put together. Oh, boy, I am messed up. Um, oh, are you? human anyway you are beautifully messed up but so some of this made me think of so I'm doing this thing because of Stacy I do many things because of Stacy I have read and taken the Enneagram because of Stacy and Paul I have um, started this specific yoga practice because of Stacy and see look at you connecting because she loves community right so yes Uh and I did the desire mapping because of Stacy as well I know look at how you Yeah. That's pretty incredible because she does nothing I suggest. (laughs) 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 What did you say? I said I'm better than Dale. (laughs) Oh my God. For those of you listening, it's very classic one behavior. One with a severe two wing or something instead of a two with a one wing. <laughs> one and three wings. Can I be both? Can At I have least two this wings? This is better than like it us is calling each other by yes. like names of characters on Friends. Like that is such a Rachel. <laughs> and they're having a conversation. <laughs> We're having. A- That's what I love about the Enneagram is the fluidity of it. That yes. that we are all supposedly, I think in the Richard Rohr book it yes. says ultimately if you are the best healthy version of yourself, you yes. will look like all of the numbers. Yes. And that's amazing. Cool. So maybe right. you're just really healthy. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm so, I'm better than all of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna try to answer the question because I think it's important to answer, but I'm scared to answer. Um So in doing the desire mapping, which is basically trying to figure out how you want to feel about certain things, and she does, I don't love the book. I tried, I checked out the book from the library. I tried to read it. I didn't love it. Um, It felt thin to me. It didn't feel like 
It felt like a, it felt like a, ah, I, fe- I will sound judgy, but I'm just going to say it. It felt like a frivolous self-help book. Yes. But yes. the actual practice of doing the desire mapping was helpful. And there were a few things in the book. Like I did jot down a couple of quotes and I did make a copy of a couple of things. Like she does it, she, she quotes somebody else to make a distinction between a, a feeling and an emotion. I don't remember that difference right now because I don't have a great memory. Um, Anyway, but desire mapping basically is, is, yeah, where you kind of go through these exercises and basically you're trying to end up with words that are how you want to feel about kind of some big areas of your life, like your essence and spirituality, your livelihood, body and wellness, creativity and learning. And then you kind of take, she wants you to come down to five words and that's kind of how you can like return to these words to help you make decisions, choices, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's hard for me to narrow down words. One, because words are so different and so powerful, and impa- and it makes me think of Dale and words. And so I'm like, how can I just choose five? Like that's dumb shit. Um, and then other, but then I also understand too, like like you got to get focused, right? So so ten or fifteen is a lot to focus on. Five is good. So when I'm thinking about maybe what I want to heal um, in myself, I think that maybe now I'm I am only formulating this out loud right now. So awesome! Um, so I'm really scared. That's big risk. Um, Thank you. So I think that growing up, I felt this disconnect that I didn't know I was feeling between being very empowered by my parents who also worked in a church. I was the daughter of the youth pastor, um, but he was bivocational, so he also had a 40-hour-a-week job as well. So I've got good old baggage. Here we go. Um, yeah, so... Um, That's going to trigger some things. Oh, my gosh! You are not wrong. Yeah, we're going to have a three-parter in this. Um, okay, so I felt really empowered by my parents as a person, as as a... I think as much as they could for how they were raised, they were both raised in the church. Um, and so I say all that to say, like, as a, as a woman, as a female, um, because my dad is the youth pastor, like, I was the person who gave the sermon on Youth Sunday. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I remember thinking, is it okay because I'm a girl? But my dad said it's okay, so I guess it's okay. But never, ever, ever, ever did I ever ask anyone those questions. It was just assumed, oh, so many assumptions, right, right? And, and just those few sentences. At the same time, recognizing, right, that I don't know if I really have this place, but also being super empowered by my parents, told that I could do anything I wanted to do, told that I was creative and smart and beautiful and amazing all the time, which I didn't believe, but I believed, but I didn't. Anyway, and so, and... I do a lot of comparison. I love that quote that Karen Burquist has tattooed on her arm from Over the Rhine, that comparison is the thief of joy. I think is it Roosevelt that said it, Theodore? Um, because that's, that's, that's me, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison has stolen. I have allowed my choice of comparison to steal a lot of joy in my life. The older I get, the more I do not want my joy being stolen because I'm getting older. Becoming a mother has also helped me. I have two daughters, and so knowing that I am modeling womanhood, 
mm-hmm. has shifted and impacted who I am and how I'm becoming, realizing that I'm continuing to continue, continuing to continue to grow up. Like I'm still growing up. There's no, like I thought there'd be a finish line, right? But no, I'm 38 years old and I'm still growing up. And that's real. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't mean I'm immature, right? Mm-hmm. It means I'm maybe. Mature. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I'm wondering if I'm trying to heal this tension in myself between I'm not worthy and I'm worthy and holding that both and at the same time and always going, no, 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 no. There's somebody better. There's somebody better. There's somebody more qualified. There's somebody, somebody else would rather look at, listen to, be friends with, eat their food. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, kind of really having this vein in myself that says, uh-uh, I'm great, and I'm capable, and I can do this, but feeling like it's too prideful, like it's bad Christian pride, right, to be that way, like I needed to be humble. What did that mean to be humble as like a, a Christian, as a Christian woman? Um, maybe I was a leader, but maybe I wasn't. Maybe that's really Paul's position or something. Um, and so feeling all of, all of, that tension. Um, so I noticed that a lo- like one of the feelings I think I want to feel, and, and she says in the desire mapping that a feeling can be anything. Like it only has to make sense to you. Um, so a lot of the words that I like at the end are words like um, midrash. Like I want that to be my, <laughs> my feeling. Um, but I also like words like ferment, Symbiosis, unprocessed, synthesis. I really, I didn't think I'd like that part. I was like, oh, you want me to look up all these words and all these, like spend time with the the source? I don't have time to do this. And then I like totally was like, this is the best. I love this. My words were so more simple. No, <laughs> the years uh, are so no, beautiful. Comparing. I know I'm comparing. I'm comparing. No, right? Stretch joy stones. So, yes. Um, we might have some disconnectedness. We have some children coming up to get. Hey, Daily, take take For these. The, the well, not all. Well, one because Trey had Trey got one right. Trey got one. So no, no. So one's for you. One's for Stella. One's for Irene. Um, the, the children have been like fed by these amazing chocolate chip cookies. So we're, we're, we're over halfway through and the chocolate chip cookies just like was the pacifying factor. Yes. Yeah. 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 Can you carry the plate? No, no. Leave the plate. Yeah. Leave the plate and just take the cookie. Parenting moment here. Oh, okay. She wanted to try to eat the cookie while she was holding the plate walking down the stairs. <laughs> if I could just describe this, the scene. <laughs> Little Daly, Little Daly wanted to hold the big plate with two cookies while she was eating her one cookie walking down the and stairs. I have to tell that, that my, that like I, why wouldn't she? The cookies are amazing. Right. And in a dress-up dress. In a long dream, green dress. In a long green dress. Anyway. Chloe. Amazing. Midrash. Midrash, symbiosis, ferment, unprocessed, raw, whole, wild. Well, to me, those words, I feel like there's part of a connection, though. But for me, and I see, I feel like it's selfish because I feel like it's like this internal thing in me. Um, We're saying, we're like not, like continuing to be able to say that... um, I guess I have value and I belong here. And my friend Dale asks me to preach because I can do it, not just because he's my friend. Um, like, like things like that, like trusting, trusting all of that. Um, Krista spoke last week um, 
at uh, at my church and does such a thoughtful and also like like has all the hits all the right notes in the room of like thoughtfulness, depth of Christian faith, and then challenging people in just the right way that it's just lovely. So, so thank you. onward with your words. Um I don't know. So I guess like trying to connect that in me that like um not to be smaller than I am. Mm-hmm. That it's okay to take up my space. Yeah. Which I feel is human and from my personal experience I feel is a very like American woman thing to mm-hmm. an American Christian woman thing mm-hmm. to be able th- to struggle with, to struggle with taking up space and to say no. I get to take up this space. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I am right. nasty, and it doesn't mean that I am. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not prideful. I'm not rude. I'm not arrogant, because those are all my fears too. Um, and so I want that, and I do think that I have. When I'm thinking of some of the ways that I've been exploring, I think that in my life the past just couple of years. Um, I feel like there are people that I that I want that for them as well, right. and um, where I say no, like like story, live your story, be your story, don't be scared of it, take up your space, say your words. Um, so maybe that translates into how I want to heal the world. Um, I I do think I want to be a person who. Uh, keeps making space at the table for everybody mm-hmm. because I have learned so much when people made space for me mm-hmm. and I have learned so much when intentionally or unintentionally like a space was was taken up next to me by somebody that was so different than me mm-hmm. and I learned so much from mm-hmm. them and and I'm just thinking of a couple people in our life who are um who, like, Krista growing up would never have been friends with this person. Like, conservative, evangelical Christian Krista would never have been friends with these people. Um, And if I'm on my deathbed, like, they're who I want in the room. And they're who I want taking care of my kids. Like, and they're messed up, too. Like, we all are, yes? Um, And I want... I I don't I want things to keep getting bigger because I feel like that's what keeps happening for me. I know I'm saying a lot. I'm sorry, and I'm not being very be very cohesive. No, I, I get it. Um, I want things to be bigger, yeah. like because God keeps getting bigger to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love yeah. is getting bigger to me. Oh, Spirituality, church, mm-hmm. is getting bigger and bigger and Preach. bigger to me, and it's. <laughs> it's scary though, and That's it's what, thrilling yeah. at the exact same time. I am terrified, yeah. but I will not get off this ride. Right. Yeah. That's what's so beautiful is that, and is that what I hear and what I see is that because you're passionate about making a place for people, to creating a space for people to be themselves, it's also what you want for yourself. A space to, for you to be. And the word that keeps coming to mind is that it's like, is actually one of the most terrifying doctrines in in Christianity to me is that we could contain it's it's tricky because it's all it's got all these this baggage but mm-hmm. righteousness of Christ mm-hmm. um, that we actually have this divinity this Christless mm-hmm. Christness 
in us, um, and also that that we are image bearers of God. So the fact that we are stepping into that, as opposed to where we started, which was that we were, it was easy for us to embrace the story of being sinful and wretched, and you know all the things that were in us were useless without God. It was not accepting the perspective of the lover you know who saw the righteousness of christ in us the saw that and then and invited us to love it with him you know and so you create a space for people to look at themselves and love it like love themselves not without their brokenness not without their all this it's like nope include that all that's all part of the thing that jesus loves are all part of the things that, that makes you beautiful is all those things because um, it all belongs, you know, Richard Roy would say, he would say, mm. it all belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, well, well, did you answer that question, Dale? The healing yeah. question? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I forgot. So, did you um, talk, Paul? Oh, oh, Paul, well, what are you feeling? I will, I will talk. We'll have to do some editing. Either we no, kind of break this into f- two parts or something like that. Um, we'll kind of keep, we'll keep talking. Um, because and you can take out whatever of this. We, yeah, we can. That's true. I'll take out the whole, all the profanity. Fuck, he'll take that out. (laughs) Well, now I can't because (laughs) I love it that she said it and is like holding her mouth as if another one is going to come out. Like she ate some bad, like she ate some bad food and it's, it's like, it's like profanity food. When Dale gets really tired. He starts cussing a lot. Aww, that's <laughs> Dark and dirty secrets. Oh, when that's I have okay. oh, when I have sure. more than enough when I've had I like, when I, I when I really let myself get like I I'll drink a little bit and I get buzzy, it's just F and this and S that. It's and he like, just says it just because. But it's not in any sort of aggressive yeah. way. No, it's, it's just right. another like, Right. It's just another beautiful adjective. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. is pastors after hours. <laughs> That's Welcome. maybe our new podcast. <laughs> well, here, real quick. After hours. So we can erase. There you go. We can erase this. Except you have something. You're, no, oh, no, no, no. I just so it's four thirty. You guys okay? Feel feel good. good with time? I'm okay. 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 Totally fine. Um. <laughs> Do you mean to go check they, on them real they fast? They got cookies. No, no let's keep going. They got cookies. We got them locked in the face. Yes. They're in dress up clothes with Nerf guns and cookies. Here's another one. Oh. You just don't get that. This is behind the paywall. That's what they say. Bloopers. Bloopers. Is that the word? Well, as long as we can, can I give a poem while... Uh, yes, I by all means. And then you can edit that out to get us back in narrative sequence. <laughs> oh, edit it out. Well, <laughs> but it, it, it actually fits the, the sequence of what we're trying to heal within ourselves. Yeah. It's a new one I've, I've just written. And uh, this is one of those uncut, like the uncut version. This is the uncut the, version. The radio man. edit. This is the radio edit. The day of my first bike crash. Me all black eyed, bruised, and needing stitches. He all beer breathed and tall, toughened up. He insisted. The day of the championship. I dribbled right, then left. Baited breath two seconds left, then shouts of joy when I scored. The winning shot. But he didn't show and never called. Words like proud and well done, he never spoke. Words like I'm sorry, he never wrote. What I wanted from him were tools 
He didn't? Oh. I promised myself I'd never be like my dad. I swore I wouldn't follow his steps. Live your life bold, hard, proud, brazen, and unflinching. Man up. Don't be sorry. His hollow laugh echoed in my head. The burdens of a father and son. The gravity of history, skin and bone shouldering the story. He died with his dried up commitments, left me with my root withering bitterness. I wear my promise over my heart like a medal. I whisper, I'm not like you over his grave, but I have his skin and bones and I couldn't change until today. Me all tired from work, distant and indifferent. My son all teary-eyed and lanky. You forgot to pick me up, and I waited for hours, seared from his accusation, the realization, a painful truth. I wasn't there when he needed me. And I'm terrified somehow I've become my dad. The burdens of a father and a son the gravity of history, skin and bones, this cross on his shoulders. Me all trembling and eyes low, he a warm planet on this day holding my burdened body in his orbit, a baptism of hot tears falling on my neck, the blessing of my son. That felt like that, uh, that felt like that was that seat. <laughs> so that's a new one that I just wrote and I just recorded. So it's going to be fun. Thank you. That means a lot that you say that, man. Yeah. Definitely. My, gotta be my favorite so far. Thank you. Thank you. It was definitely just, it had such, um, well, it got close. Yeah. Got really close. It was like, it's. It's confessional. It's vulnerable. Yeah, it's poetic. Yeah. It's got all those things. It's the it's the the, the craft as a parent, mm. but it's also unguarded. And mm. So it's very mm. nice. Mm. Very good. And he just side note, he didn't forget to pick up the tray. He just <laughs> <laughs> that's like a, essential truth, right? This is a this <laughs> one was a story of like ten yeah. men that this is me listening to the stories of men and yeah. some of that generation of like I, I was thinking about. Um, how that that I'm sorry and like mm. how I and I started asking like men like hey so did your dad like tell you he was sorry mm. no <laughs> not right. one time and they, there's just a list of men in my life who like good men people I love who are like my dad never said I'm sorry yeah. Yeah. so I tried to capture that like That's what bad. is with that yeah. why don't men say they're sorry yeah. um so and what that plays on and mm. um, yeah well it's it's kind of a little bit too much um uh, yeah, it's too risky. It's mm. too vulnerable. It yeah. it means there's something has to die in my in my opinion, right. for something like that to happen, right. which is maybe maybe to say that the connection to their fathers has to die in order to say I'm sorry, oh. um, and and that's a hard thing to let go of. I I think, yeah, I don't know what that what that means, but. And then, so. and then I, I wanted this layer of like, I don't know what you all think about this, but like for me, um, in a weird way, like if there was another sacrament to add to the church, it would be being a parent. 
because like it, it, it just is like, and I, and I don't mean this in any way. Like if you're not a parent listening, like, I mean this, like it will crush you. <laughs> like this is, I'm not talking joy here. I'm talking like it pushes you to the very end of your humanity and asks you if you will become a better person. <laughs> it's like the sacrament the church left out. Parenthood. Well, I think it's communion. <laughs> 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 Body broken and blood. Body broken. Maybe you're right. <laughs> it is applicable even to those of us without biological children. Right. Because if we actually really made uh, healthier definitions of mother and father, right. Right, right, then we really would encompass everyone of us biological children or not, right? right I right. think That's super good. Yeah. so so it would it could be a sacramental thing. Yeah. It could be. That that holding another human being dear, yes. being friend, being intimate, yes. close in yes. healthy boundary ways yes. 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 is a sacrament. The yeah. the yes. the love of other, right? Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> Hard, yeah. Very hard. Yeah, parenting is like the best worst thing. <laughs> like totally. And sometimes it's the worst, 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 best thing. <laughs> like I was sort of getting at what you're saying at the end of I've been trying to work on um this idea of like I'm calling it like of wounds and wonders or on wounds mm. and wonders. Like mm. and I've been just really playing with this. At first I thought like, man, all I need to do in my life is get healed. And like, and I don't mean that like in any sort of like weird Christian way, but in the sense of like, if I could just overcome the self-sabotaging mechanisms that I do to myself and just like embrace this world and all its like beautiful wonder, everything would be great with my life. <laughs> Turns out like the reality is that there's this um, acoustic level of humanity where the wounds and wonders, they will never be apart. And they're related yes. to one another. And I, I think you were quoting Roar and saying everything belongs. But there's this this layer of like everything that, that these wounds and wonders lie so closely together and they play off each other yeah. like a beautiful instrument, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's something and I won't be able to say how poetic it was or what or uh, how brilliant it was. But Chris and I were watching Louis C.K. last night. His His new special is called 2017 and it's. It's pretty brilliant. It's vulgar as all get out. So do not. Uh, Louis C.K. is a stand-up comedian. comedian. Um, and this one's real. Yeah, like it he will, starts yeah. off. <laughs> with he's bad. He's, oh, bad. he's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. But here's the thing: he his comedy is always about pulling up what's under the carpet. You know, that's under there for everybody, and he's just kind of like, "Hey, look at this," and everybody kind of goes, "No, I don't want to look." I don't want to look wow. at that. What he says, and, and I can't quite, and here's the thing, is I'm okay if I disagree with him in certain places. Or I give myself some space to kind of go like, um, I don't know. I don't agree with that, but maybe. And I kind of hold on to it yeah. because he says something that I feel like is very insightful about love. He was like, I love love, but why do we feel like we're going to have this love that lasts forever. Why do we feel like we are entitled to that? And I think what he is, in, in, and he is really irreverent and he's really poking at it and he's poking, making fun at it, making fun at our, um, I, I think making fun of our desire in a way that doesn't seem, oh gosh, not malicious, but in a way that feels like 
it's going to intensify my longing for it. Um, well, or I would say yeah. it gives it actually it's permissive. Like, yeah. oh, it's okay to like have this beautiful thing that only lasts for two to five years and then it's gone because that's that's actually more realistic. Right. I felt like it was permissive for me to be like, oh yeah, I love this. This is great. This is great. This is great. But of course, it's going to end. So here right. you go. See you later. I'm going to go find this with somebody else. Oh, interesting. Because I was thinking he was that's talking about I, like there's a cycle of. Everything, everything's got to die in order to be alive. And here's the thing that I don't, I think where I'm afraid to believe, but also have a feeling that there's some, there's some wisdom here. Even our love, right? Our love has to die in order to be resurrected. That's what I, it's because I believe in resurrection. If I didn't believe in resurrection, then I would only have to, I could only rely on quantity. Right? I could only go to some other thing, let it live for a while, kill it, let it die or whatever, move on to the next thing, let it die, move on to the next thing. As opposed to loving something fully, being a part of the death and renewal of it. But that is excruciating. We don't want to do it. But I think he understands that to love anything fully means to die to it to some degree because he's a parent and so yeah. he dies to his children you know i can i, I yeah, get each, it each developmental it. stage is a, is a kind of death right yeah. i mean i'm just i'm just riffing with you because i think this is beautiful um Irie is still like holding my hand and i can tell it's like it's about the end of that phase and so i've been trying to like just like i, I am leaning in as long as i can right to this and um, it's just like I can tell, like that, that's a death. It's a death. It is a beautiful season, but it's time to, to engage her in different levels of her development. And, right? and when, like, Stella's 11, and when she reaches over to hold my hand, I am pathetic. Oh, my God. I am just kind of like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, she's holding my hand again. I was just like, how long can I make this happen? I was just kind of like, oh, Paul, you, like, you become a puddle. You become a puppy, you know, to that that longing for that again because again you don't want that to die we don't want to let something else replace what was there before yeah i I love i wanted to say one last thing because i love this little conversation about love and louis ck and and the um the temporariness but the eternality of love mm-hmm. and we criticized this is what i think is fascinating about like big thinkers in our world we criticized sort of platonic thinking and its influences on christian theology at the beginning rightfully so and it's dualism and it's flesh is bad spirit is good right but i wonder like this platonic idea of love this sense of um of uh, really like a fallenness. That's where we get the original language, by the way. Um, we've early Christians read Plato into the creation narratives. And then, but, but this journey back to this eternal contemplation of eternity, this sort of eternal desire of eternal contemplation and love. And I wonder if sometimes like in our culture, we abandon certain concepts and, but that seems super beautiful to me that We've been influenced in the last 150 years, rightly so, by Karl Marx and by materialism and by a return to the material, beautiful world. But I wonder also if Plato has something to offer. And when we reflected on Louis C.K. of like, 
what if there is a homecoming eternity written echoed in our hearts of like eternal contemplation being something so spiritually beautiful yeah you know well exactly i mean we because here's the thing we get dualism we we be we are uh, dualistic about our anti-dualism <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because we go, Lynn, Plato's got to be total bullshit. You know? And it's like, and then we're like, it's got to be this other thing. And I go, wait a minute. That can't, I mean, have we learned anything new? Like, is there, is there a way? And this is where I find a lot of, I'm just really inspired by my, by some friends of mine who are, um, many of them have, uh, they've lost God entirely and they've left God. They've left the faith that they grew up in mm-hmm. and they are now exploring Jesus in a way past Christianity past mm-hmm. in a, in a way that I don't understand. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't categorize, but I'm really excited about, right. and it's because they're coming into a place where they can go. I can hold on to it. I can let go of it, and I can I can let go and hold on at the same time. And I go, oh, what is that? That is very interesting. There's something about that, and maybe it's even that platonic part of me that goes, what is that in? What is in that that is familiar to me, and calling to me that is uh, that seems. Uh, like it's echo it's it's actually even echoing from the ancient scriptures yeah. it's echoing um from the 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 prophets it's echoing yeah from the prophets because they were just wackos i mean they were the ones who were like you know it's even echoing from the ways that we had two different kinds of history depending on who you're you know listening to chronicles and kings or whatever in the old testament yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. and, and there's who, dissonant whatever voices there's dissonant voices there's all those sort of things and that i think even that is is pushing us towards a different reality a different yeah. sort of thing so yeah a, a, a friend of ours um tried to plan a church and this is like you know if you've seen the statistics on planted churches, it's like terrible. It's like, it's like, um, uh, here's a gamble. I, I mean, go play Russian roulette in Vegas. Right. You have better chances, right? And um, she named her church Paradox Church. Uh-huh. And I loved it yeah. because that's what you're talking about. Like there's yeah. this paradox to all of our life, this subversive wisdom of, you know, um, lose your life so you'll find it. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, it's like in your or friends. Like, yeah, or like Peter Rollins' church, he calls it icon, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a way of, as a way of attacking idolatry, right, right. which is a way, you know, and, and, and he's sort of like pushing the, pushing on the bruise of Christianity that has made an idolatry out of God, mm-hmm. you know, and, but an icon does something else. An icon is visual and is image related, but it's to get you to see past that image. It's not the image in and of itself, but it's something past the image. So it's like reading a visual piece of art, you know, as scripture. And that, that to me is really, because it's not referential. It's something beyond. It's something transcendent, right. uh, which I find very, very beautiful. Oh, so um, so I, I, will, I will answer the question. Yes, the question. Yeah. What are you trying to heal? Right. I had there so much yeah. time. <laughs> I know. I had so Got much time beer. to try and think as you I guys know, were talking. You're so kind to me. Um, and uh, I, I feel like um, there is, pardon me, I got a burp. Sorry. 
I think I think it's so professional that we're drinking and and on microphone and that the, I think it's that we the still make only sense. professional way. Um, to anyway. Do this. <laughs> Personally, so, uh, mm, mm. yeah. So I, I think right. where, yeah. <laughs> where I feel like um, I was, uh, um, I, I, you know, again, it's something I'm investigating. It's something I'm trying to learn more about. What am I trying to heal in myself, and what am I trying to heal in the world? There at least one part of it and it might just be a, a, a truncated answer um, but it's what on on the top of my mind is is really about humanity it's really trying to rescue um, in myself uh, a, the right the right story a good story about being yeah. human um, and 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 by that I mean like being human in its uh, in our sexuality, it is like trying to heal my own sexuality, and part of in in um, in continuing the work of asking questions about like why do what's the story in my gender? What's the story in the way I relate to the opposite sex? What's the story? What is what are the substitutes that are involved? What are the what's the idolatry that gets in the way? Um, all those sort of things, and, and why. And in the and as I'm trying to explore that and trying to investigate that, I'm also trying to get other people to ask mm-hmm. those same questions. I'm also trying to get people because I want them to help me. <laughs> I, want, I want other people to help answer those questions for me um, because I do place a lot of faith in the fact that I don't know, I won't be able to come up with any of these answers on my own. I need to work it out in a community i need to work it out in a conversation and um and i bet that's pretty a lot why i i create why ever whatever sort of art that i'm really part of it's because i'm desperate for some sort of conversation mm-hmm. that people will engage with me on a con on, on a topic and when i feel most hurt is mm-hmm. when somebody says no i won't go there with you and you shouldn't go there either mm-hmm. like don't don't bring that up don't talk about that don't do this like don't make a joke about that don't laugh at that or um yeah keep that away or that's not holy and that i just that's where i feel like i go oh but there's some part of myself there that's in there that i want to know and you're telling me shh quiet we don't look at that we don't we don't talk about that thing and that and so that's that's what I'm trying to figure out a way to heal I'm trying to heal that in myself because I also feel that there's a piece of that voice in my head that says nobody cares nobody wants you to ask that question um, and you're gonna make this thing and nobody's gonna show up and nobody's you know and and, and therefore I won't exist <laughs> you know or I will die and that will that will be it so I don't know how's that for an answer thank you Paul thank you <laughs> that's uh, fantastic man like there's so much that I want to talk to you about um, man that is wonderful and like the first thing I'm just going to riff a little bit right now because that was and this might lead to more questions and conversations but the first thing you named that's so beautiful is like this intuitive like leap you make to human stories. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what um, propelled, like what, where you thought, but there's this fascinating 
um, book called After Virtue by Alastair McIntyre, who's a philosopher. Mm. And he's criticizing sort of like, it, it fits so in line with our conversation. He's criticizing like the first, the last, you know, 1800 years of thinking basically. And he's saying that he wants to talk about human actions. That's why it fits so well with what you said. And he says that like, it's impossible to give an intelligent account of human actions outside of narrative. And so he like challenges this story that we've lived in of like, we sort of get to choose our own story. We get to choose our own community. We get, we, we get to use our wills to sort of like be a part of certain families and not a certain tribes. Right. And he's challenging that what, where you truly understand human actions is by what story of the future they're telling about themselves, what sort of telos mm-hmm. or end. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love for you mm-hmm. to tell me a little more about that. Like, and uh, I just think that's like wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, and that's the thing is why I'm so interested in stories because, um, f- or films. I've always loved movies ever since I was a kid, right? I was like, and when I was studying more about making films, writing plays, writing stories, that I realized a movie or a play is a writer's meta narrative. Right, right. It's their way of how they see the world making sense, making meaning, because we pick up the character for the audience all intents and purposes is when the character is born in our consciousness and when we leave the play it is when they die whether they go on or not that is when they die that is the end of their story in our in our place so what happens within those three to four acts or five acts is the meaning of life so and where do we get this from we get it from aristotle we get it from shakespeare we, yeah, we, yeah. who who tells i mean you talk about wh- why does everybody remember hamlet for hundreds of years is because he told to be or not to be. Uh, right the story in five acts you know these this is the way this is the way of life and a way of meaning that rings true to us and so and the, the the reality is what we discover in neuroscience is that um, narrative stories are woven into the way our brains operate. Wait, we don't we we don't um, process abstract information. We don't just uh, it's just bits and pieces. They're all contextual in terms of what we think and what. So all of that to say, like what my what my meta narrative is is i you know i don't know exactly entirely all the details but you mentioned earlier about like love being the highest reality right that's for me it's like it all falls under that hierarchy of truth love being the highest everything bows in submission to love and it and and so i will uh, and uh when you're writing a story you're going to have to, uh, this is a Robert McKee sort of thing, where he's, he's saying you've got to have a controlling idea and a counter idea in order to have a good story. And you have to measure everything and you do in your scene based on your controlling idea. The controlling idea is something simple like this is true because this, all right? And so the controlling idea that I keep coming back to is that love wins, Sorry, yeah. you know, yeah. it love wins. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob Bell, Bell, shout out. Right, exactly. So love wins because God is more powerful than evil. Okay. The, so that's the counter narrative. Th- that's, and then the, but yeah, but then the, the counter narrative 
is that you have to deal with, you have to actually, as a writer, you live with a little bit more, is the opposite truth. Because love fails because God is not powerful. And so in order to really write the right story, the good story, you have to become just as um, familiar with the counter narrative as you are with the controlling narrative. Because otherwise you create a saccharine story that is meaningless and fluffs. It doesn't mean anything. You know, a, a counter narrative is that when you wrestle with the idea of, meaninglessness or nihilism or, or those sort of stuff as a potential reality, then the, then the truth of love and meaning and redemption, all those things become so much more deep because you knew what was at stake. Yeah. You know it's yeah. at stake in those sort of things. So I see everything narratively. I That's think everything fantastic. So meta-narrative for you is what Alastair McIntyre would say is telos. Mm-hmm. It's the end. It's the goal. It's sort of like what hum- the future human existence should look like. Right. Oh, and that word telos, right? It comes from Greek. Yeah. Yeah. When it gets when what Jesus says in John, I think it's in John. It is accomplished, right? So good. This is the good shit that I get into because when he says it is finished, he's using it gets translated into that. Teleste. Yeah. It is accomplished. Yeah. It's all full. It's all complete. Mm-hmm. Not at, not in Revelation. In the cross. In that moment, like everything is complete there. That's where I go. Like, so my my epi- my uh, my eschatology doesn't uh, doesn't land like a lot of cr- the Christianity I grew up in doesn't land in in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Actually, it lands in the gospels mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the that's the end of all things to me so yeah that's amazing i'd like to i would like to um on a future podcast talk more about that okay. the theology of the cross connected to to what it means to be the church yeah and um that that what you just said there to flesh that out and then to flesh out like a reading of revelation yeah. that squares with the gospel eschatology yeah. Would be very cool. Yeah. Anyway, that is as far as we could go. So thank you so much. One last thing I want to ask you is, uh, before we sign off, is what what is the one thing that you're excited about right now, or something you're working on that you would like to let everybody know, and uh, and then we'll wrap up with that. I know what you're saying. I'm really excited. Go ahead. Well, actually, I usually like with this question will be like, I have nothing like go ahead, Dale, like, because <laughs> I don't have anything ever on my horizon. But I do. And I'm excited about it. Because um, connected. Yes. <laughs> um, I am actually planning with some amazing women like Krista, um, a retreat for women um, involving the Enneagram and yoga and oils and spiritual practices. And I I'm just real excited about it. And it's going to start small and we're going to just have like a little test run with those who are interested with me in it. And then maybe we'll, maybe we'll see where it goes and maybe we can do another one another year and then Uh, it'll be great. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love it. It's It's going to be so so good. good. Yeah. So, so good. And I'm calling it, I think compassion retreat. 
but I don't know the subtitle yet. We can work on that. Yeah, Dale's really good. Subtitle to come, right? Dale titles all of my sermons every single time I speak. I was like, my title. You like them? I was like so happy that you like them. And passion retreat because what I think the Enneagram brings that's incredible is this self-compassion, and then also, of course, when you are compassionate with yourself, then you are compassionate with others. Mm-hmm. This is podcast number four, having Stacy preach to us <laughs> yeah, about right. the Enneagram. No, I am not I'm trained in that yes. at all. No, yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. Don't excuse oh. it away. You are I'll just read from the book. Just do some reading stuff. No, it's very Stacey's clear. Amazing. You've internalized it, and you can articulate mm-hmm. it really well. Yeah, yes. and what where she's best is like, when you talk about a relationship that you're having, engaging with someone, she can talk to you about, oh, it's possible that this yes. person could be this Enneagram, this could be going on. And yeah. it's so brilliant because it changes your connection to that person. But right. It's really what good. do you have on the horizon? Um, I'm working on, and I've been working on a set of poems, and I sort of said it, I talked about earlier about um, On Wounds and Wonders, mm-hmm. and I've been like sort of fascinated this last year, really like, um, vulnerably fascinated of like what it means that I exist as a human being with terrible wounds from family history to like the relationships I have to the, the very wonders of existence like that I have amazing kids and that I have a heartbeat in my chest and that the mountains are, are, are phenomenally present there and I have friends like this where I could sit around and make human connections with and what does it mean that we exist as human beings with both and so I've written um tons of poems and then I sort of um, cueled it down to about 15, 12 to 15 and I created an album around it and, and I'm excited. I'm working with um, Dobsey, Brian Dobsey, who's oh. done a great, great job of like composing the music and it's going to be really fun. I'm excited. And you find it at DaleFrederickson.com. Oh, that was too much. That was like, we just went cheese. We just went cheese. We did not cheese. <laughs> DaleFrederickson.com. No. No, this was really fun. Thank you, guys. This was fun. All right. Well, there you have it. Conversation with Dale and Stacy. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I know it was a little bit of an uncut conversation, um, but we really feel like it was so valuable what we were kind of getting into, and we wanted to share that with you, our friends, inviting you into the kitchen. So if you like these episodes, please let us know on our Facebook page, Toward Curtain Arts, or you can go find us on Twitter, or you can support us even on Patreon. Uh, Just give money to us every month. so that we can keep making these episodes. Next week, Chris and I back again in the kitchen talking about education and actually our choices with our kids. Um, Please come back. Join us again.